going to pray. That's what I do. When you don't know what to do, you pray. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, we just invite you, uh, just sweet, wonderful, beautiful counselor, Holy Spirit. Would you just, would you help us by making yourself known? Even just right now, Holy Spirit, we just, we welcome you. You're already here. You were here before we arrived. You were here at creation, Lord. And you dwell in us, you dwell amongst us, but we just want to turn our attention uh, towards you. Even though there's speaking, there'll be intellectual engagement, Lord, there'll be emotions responding. Uh, ultimately, what we want to hear is your voice, Holy Spirit. You speaking to us. We want to hear your voice. Uh, we want to access the grace that you offer us to walk in obedience to, to what you're calling us to. But we just pray, Lord, even as we've, we've sung out about miracles and provision and transformation, we just pray, even in this time, Lord, as, as I'm sharing, that you would continue just to uh, fall upon us, bring us revelation, transformation, do what you do best, Lord. We give you full permission in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So we've started a, a new series just focusing on uh, the different kind of attributes of who Jesus is and what he did uh, in particular. So uh, today we're talking about Jesus, the miracle working God. Amen. Sound exciting? If you do have questions at any time during the sermon, uh, you're welcome to log on pull out your phone, paradox.church forward slash sermon, and there's a little spot you can actually write uh, in a question. Type it in, and it'll anonymously send it uh, to Jess up at the back there, and then she can post them up if we get time at the end uh, just to answer any questions. So uh, I, I do my best when I'm preparing to think of what are some questions that people might ask, but you might have one that I don't know, and, uh, and then we can answer it straight away, or you can ask me afterwards if you feel like doing it that way. So we, uh, last week I spoke on Jesus being a friend of sinners. Hopefully if you weren't here, you've had a chance to, uh, to catch up online with that. Uh, did anyone make friends with a sinner in this last week? <laughs> One, couple? Yeah? That's good. Well, the rest of you, maybe you're already, you know, you, you, live, you live with one. No, no, that's a bit, hey, that's a bit harsh. Um, yeah, again, you know, what, what we really want to encourage you to do is, uh, is when you hear what we're sharing that you're thinking in your mind, oh, this, this is actually, I'm supposed to apply this stuff to my life uh, and, and because it's what Jesus calls us to do. So again, as we start talking about Jesus being a miracle working God, um, the expectation is we're going to see miracles start breaking out. If you're not already seeing miracles in your everyday life, uh, my hope and expectation is, uh, is that we'll start to see that. Um, uh, in our Beats series, we talked about uh, kind of seeing people move from being far from God and then engaging with us in, in what we might call a missional relationship. So essentially, it's a relationship that you as a Christian are intentionally uh, pursuing and engaging someone who's currently far from God, who doesn't know God, uh, doesn't know that how amazing Jesus is, 
and intentionally then building re- relationship with them to draw them into an opportunity to encounter God. Uh, and again, the, the miraculous dimension of the kingdom of God, of what should be, I guess, normal for us as Christians, uh, is also part of that drawing people, intriguing people, inviting people to discover more of who God is because they're encountering this reality of God that exists outside of their lived normal experience and that is the miraculous realm so it's again this is part of uh, as we walk in miracles signs wonders and miracles as Jesus did people actually get drawn into inquiring more about who God is so there's lots of ways where we want to present Jesus to the world it's in our it's in our character it's who we are as people how we love how we serve how we love like Jesus loved Um, But it's also uh, through, as Jesus did, I mean, it's through what we say as well, speaking the truth of God, but it's also through um, displaying the reality of the kingdom of God. Uh, If you're, as Amy mentioned, if you're not in a DNA group or if you don't know what they are, anything about that, there's these little cards there. There's some down at the front here. Uh, There's some at the back uh, you can grab, and that outlines our BEATS kind of missional living framework, the DNA group, some reflection questions for you uh, to live out uh, the mission that God has for each and every one of us. So please do grab that, find someone, get into a group. So, uh, so Jesus performed miracles. Jesus performed many miracles. Uh, John 21, 25 says, Now there are also many things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So we know when it comes to the miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles that Jesus did in a short three-year period, um, on earth is, was so phenomenal. So we've got a, a long list of lots of interactions that Jesus had with people, but then we've got to understand beyond that were countless other miracles uh, that were going on as a natural part of Jesus' life while he was on earth. Uh, and I just thought, you know what, I'll give you, just in case you're, you know, maybe you haven't read through the Gospels and seen this, I'm just, I just thought I'd give you like his top 30 list. So his top, you know, his top hits, top 30 um, list of miracles. And I'm just going to quickly run through them. Uh, we'll, we might post this stuff online later in the week. We might not. Um, but either way, you can just uh, look it up in your Bible later on. So the top 30 list, this is in no particular order. Number one, Jesus changed water into wine, John 2, uh, 2 1, John chapter 2. Uh, Jesus cured the nobleman's son in John 4. There was the great hall of fishes. You know that fishes is actually the plural of fish. It doesn't sound like it should be, does it? No, but it is. Um, Jesus cast out an unclean spirit in Mark 1. Jesus cured Peter's mother-in-law of a fever in Mark 1. Jesus healed a leper in Mark 1. Jesus healed the centurion's servant in Matthew 8. Jesus raised the widow's son from the dead in Luke 7. Jesus calmed a storm in Matthew 8. Jesus cured two uh, demonically uh, filled people. Uh, Jesus cured a paralytic in Matthew 9. Jesus raised the ruler's daughter from the dead, Matthew 9. Jesus cured a woman of an issue of blood. Jesus opened the eyes of two blind men. In Matthew 9, Jesus loosed the tongue of a man who could not speak. In Matthew 9, Jesus healed an invalid at the pool called Bethesda in John chapter 5. Jesus restored a withered hand in Matthew 12. He cured a demon-possessed man. He fed at least 5,000 people. He healed a woman 
that was from Canaan. He cured a deaf and mute man. He, he fed another 4,000 people. He opened the eyes of a blind man, Mark 8. He cured a boy who was plagued by a demon. He opened the eyes of a man born blind. He cured a woman who had been afflicted for 18 years. He cured a man of dropsy. He cleansed 10 lepers. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And he opened the eyes of two blind men. So very short list of all the things that he did. But very clearly, as we read through the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, it was very, very normal for Jesus to display the miraculous realm in what he was doing. So the question is, I know there's some examples, but what is a miracle? What would define a miracle? Because you can say, well, he did lots of things, but what makes a miracle a miracle? This is a, a, a way of explaining what a miracle is. So a miracle is essentially an, an extraordinary event that goes against nature, cannot be explained by science, and Christians believe is caused by God. So it goes against the natural order that we would expect in the world. It cannot be explained by science. And we would believe God was the initiator of that divine, miraculous kind of work. So that's what we would define a miracle as. Now, again, you might feel like Christmas time, finding a parking spot at the shops. You're like, miracle. And people pray for that sort of stuff. That's awesome. Um, and, and you know, maybe, maybe it is. Uh, maybe it is a miracle. Maybe Jesus opened up. He, he you know, split the cars like the waters and uh, allowed you to drive in. Um, I'm not sure how the other people who were parked in that space would feel, um, but that's all good. Uh, so it is this, it's outside of the natural order. It's not what we would expect to see happen. And what are some of the miracles that Jesus performed? So if we'll put them into like some categories, well, there is miracles of healing. So whether it's healing from, from blindness, deafness, uh, not being able to speak, uh, healing in people's physical bodies, uh, all of that sort of stuff that Jesus did. There were miracles of provision. So we know about Jesus performing miracles of feeding. And again, when you read the story of feeding 5,000 or feeding 4,000, that's saying that there was 5,000 men. Um, in That's the numbers. That was the cultural way of, of understanding and counting a crowd, I guess. Um, but there would have been then women and children. So there would have been multitudes more than that that he fed, fed with you know, a couple of loaves and fish. Uh, there was the miracle of calming the storm when they're out on the boat. So again, Jesus is displaying. He has authority over people's physical body. He has authority over in the natural order to be able to tell storms to stop. Um, again, I've, uh, we, uh, my wife and I at a previous church that we were a part of, uh, I was a youth pastor there, and we used to do youth camps. Uh, to, we'd do two a year, one in summer and one in winter, and they were always great. But in must be in the seven or eight years that I ran youth camps in wintertime, middle of winter, not one single camp was ever rained out. And we literally we were doing one up in uh, Hillary's at a campsite up there, and uh, and a group of people had to head back home to grab some stuff. And as they were coming back, it was dark clouds all around, raining, and there's, there was literally a beam of sunlight coming down on the campsite that we were in. It was crazy. We had one, I remember being at Nanga Bush Camp and dwelling up, and we'd done the whole weekend, not a drop of rain, and literally as the coaches with the kids were driving out, the rain starts to fall down. So again, I mean, we prayed and we hoped and we expected, and there's, there's a sense like, it seems like more than coincidence to be literally in the middle of winter and not have a drop of rain, rain out of camp. But uh, rain's good. But there's authority over the natural order there. Obviously, authority over death. So he raised people from the dead. Uh, amazing, uh, miraculous uh, work there. 
uh, miracles of, uh, of multiplication. Again, things going from small. So this is, there's provision, but then there's also multiplication. So provision sometimes is where God provides when there is nothing. Um, so you're needing finances for something, and then all of a sudden money shows up in your bank or, or whatever it is. So then another question we would have to ask, and this is just all preparatory work for you. I want to give you the understanding before we get into the practical. So next week, we're going to train you as to how to see miracles. Okay? So uh, we're going to teach you, particularly we'll start focusing on the miracles of healing, um, and we're going to do that. But I just want to give you, it's really important to me that you have an understanding as to uh, why, where, how, all of that sort of stuff. You have a biblical basis as to why, because there are Christians even today that wouldn't believe that God heals, or maybe God heals just kind of providentially, or we hope he might, um, but I want to help you to see that actually uh, not only does God heal today, but he's actually given authority to us to be the ones who initiate that healing work. So, so why did Jesus perform miracles? One reason, I think there was many reasons, one reason was to reveal the kingdom of God. So Jesus performed miracles to reveal the kingdom of God. So to reveal the reality of a different realm. This is the, the idea of heaven invading earth. The Lord's prayer where Jesus says, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus performed miracles, he was saying, there's a realm that you cannot see, that you cannot necessarily touch and experience, but I'm here to bring that in as a reality in the now. So in the heavenly realm, is there sickness? No. In the heavenly realm, where God is, is fully in charge, everything that God says happens, is there any lack? No. Is there sickness, disease, or death? No. So when heaven invades earth, when heaven breaks into the natural order, which is Jesus' desire, it's his prayer, then we start to see those heavenly realities become earthly realities. Okay? So that's part of the expectation. Jesus, when he's performing a miracle, he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's telling everyone, hey, I've come to bring the reality of heaven to earth, to bring the reality of the kingdom of God to earth, and to prove that to you, I'm going to reveal what heaven is like. And he showed it to people. So Jesus performed miracles to reveal the kingdom of God. Jesus performed miracles to reveal the heart of God. Jesus performed miracles to reveal the heart of God, the desire of God to heal, to restore, to provide, to set free. So the very nature of God is displayed in the miracles that Jesus performed. He's revealing the Father. In revealing himself, he's revealing the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. Amen. That's what he says. So when Jesus is performing miracles to people, he's saying this is what the Father is like. Not just this is what heaven is like, but this is actually the heart of God is to see people healed, set free, restored, provided for. Amen. You guys are way too quiet for such amazing things that I'm saying. Another reason why Jesus performed miracles was to reveal the power and the authority of God. So again, there's one thing to have a desire. There's another thing to have the ability to action that desire. So we could say, oh, well, God, yes, God desires that for us, but does he actually have the power and the authority to do that? And again, Jesus revealed that he is the one and only true God, the Father that he is 
coming in the name of is the one and only true God. He has all authority and he has the authority and the power, not just the desire to heal, but he has the power and authority to heal. Not just the desire to provide, but he has the power and the authority to provide. Not just the desire to restore, to set free, but actually the power and the authority to do that. This is one of the challenges that the religious leaders of the time uh, would, uh, would challenge Jesus on. Now, again, they, there must have been something where there was some sort of normality of expectation that people would get healed and different things would happen. Okay? So, again, the religious leaders oftentimes weren't as surprised at the miracles that Jesus was doing, but it was oftentimes when he would forgive sin. Because they'd say, hey, hey, I mean, we know, only God can forgive sin. And she's like... Exactly. Um, hint, hint. Uh, but there was something of, of revealing that authority in his ability to do that. And in revealing God, Jesus also revealed himself. Jesus, everything that Jesus did, he did in the name, under the name of the Father. Okay? He, came, he came under the authority of God. And when we, as Christians, we are under the authority of Jesus. That's why it says to pray in the name of Jesus. That's not like a magic word that you tag on at the end of a prayer. So you say, well, I'm praying for something, and if I pray, if I, oh, I've got to say in the name of Jesus, then it'll, it'll work. No, to pray in the name of Jesus is to pray in the authority of Jesus. It's to pray in the nature of Jesus. It's to pray as Jesus would pray. It's to, to pray the desires of Jesus and to pray in the way that Jesus would pray for the things that Jesus would pray for, okay? And praying under the authority of God. Amen? And so we need to understand as, as we are children of God, uh, miracles are a benefit to us as his children. So miracles benefit believers. And we, we should be expecting, and I think there's, there is nothing that we shouldn't be asking God for in the miraculous realm. Now, I mean, within righteousness, obviously, but to say like, oh, maybe God won't provide that. My encouragement would be ask for it and let him decide whether or not he, he provides that sort of thing. And again, I, I wish every single person that Jesus prayed for, they got healed. Every single person that Jesus prayed for, they got set free. There is this like a one plus one equals two for Jesus. Now, that hasn't been my experience and often isn't the experience of Christians. That is a, a mysterious dimension of what we're talking about. And there's a whole lot that we can talk about is, well, what about when God doesn't heal? And that's a whole nother kind of sermon of really asking some of those questions of the heart. But what I know is that Jesus, was, it was very simple to him. He prayed and people got healed. He declared and things happened. So for me, what I don't want to do, and this is often what can happen for us as Christians, is we say, well, Jesus did that. He tells me to do that. But my experience is different to his. So therefore, maybe there's something wrong in my theology that maybe that's not supposed to happen. It's oftentimes we, we, we feel like we need to reconcile where our theology doesn't match up to our experience. Okay. The danger is if we change our theology to meet our experience, then we'll always have that experience. This is a, a, a term that psychologists call cognitive dissonance, where what I think should happen and then what I experience is happening are, are divided. So then I need to reconcile these two things. Okay. Again, I want to encourage you, very clearly, Jesus performed miracles 
And I'm going to share some scriptures. Very clearly, he invited us as his disciples to do the same as his disciples did when he was on earth. So then if our experience is different to that and we reconcile our theology to our experience, we're just going to land with this experience of lack. Rather than saying, but if God, if that's what you said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push in, I'm going to lean in, I'm going to pray, I'm going to strive in a healthy way that my experience would match up with my theology that my experience would match up with what you have said, with what you have declared. Okay? And that's what we need to keep leaning into. Let the mystery as to the why remain a mystery. You don't need to reconcile. You don't need to have an answer for it. If you pray and, and the expectation doesn't come about, I don't, to say, I don't know why that's happened. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep desiring that. So God performs miracles for, to us, his children. But I think as I read through the Gospels, I would see, I think most of the time when Jesus performed miracles, they were primarily for the benefit of those who didn't know him, of those who didn't know God. In my experience of praying for people, I've seen significantly more miracles happen with people who don't know anything about God than those who know God. I don't understand why, apart from maybe some of the intention of that is to, to God to reveal himself. Um, but that's just, that's just what I've seen in my experience. And as we look at the life of Jesus, it was oftentimes those who, uh, who, who were far from God, further from God than the religious people, uh, that miracles were happening. So another question to ask, well, do miracles happen today? We can say, well, that happened back then. That happened when Jesus was on earth. Do miracles happen today? Absolutely, they do. Okay, who's seen a miracle that they feel like, I just know this was a miracle. It wasn't necessarily the car parking one. You can claim that if you want, but I'm just saying like, we are just like, no, I've, I've seen. Okay, so this is people. These are, these are reasonable people, you would assume. Some, yeah. I'm, well, you could find one in the bunch, I'm sure. You know, these are not kind of crazy, weird people, um, you know, who just think everything might be a miracle. And, um, but it's, it's like, okay, so these are things, and then you've prayed for, and God's clearly shown up and performed a miracle. Um, I think, again, for probably most of us who have mainly spent time maybe in Australia or other Western nations, there is also this thing where it seems to be in more, like in Eastern cultures and different ethnicities around the world, that there seems to be more miracles, more miraculous stuff happening. Would you agree? People have had that experience, people that have traveled, you know, maybe with different missionary groups. Um, so miracles happen today, but what I've noticed is that miracles happen to, to the degree that we invite them to happen. That tends to be my experience. It's quite rare. I'm not at, I'm not at like Peter and Paul level where I walk past someone and my shadow heals people. Okay, I'm not quite there yet. It could happen, and maybe I just don't know about it. Um, but usually, it's when I pray and declare healing that there's an opportunity for that thing to happen. Okay? Now, God provides, God provides providentially. Uh, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and, and righteousness, and all of those areas of provision will be provided for. So there is a baseline of provision that God brings and gives to his children. Okay? But there are things that are, that are higher than that where God wants to reveal himself to people that we need to be praying for and asking God for and inviting and actually declaring over other people. I've had a couple of, couple of little stories that I've told before, but um, 
uh, in so in Quinana where we live, and uh, and I used to just I just, just used to spend a lot of time interacting with with random people around the place. Um, I'd often get. Uh, two times I got phone calls from people that I had no idea. They somehow found me um, because there were like supernatural things happening in someone's house. Like a real estate agent called me up one day and said, one of our um, tenants in our house is having all this weird spiritual stuff going on. And so I just thought I'd look up and see. So this person wasn't a Christian, but they just looked up and they found a church in the air and said, maybe you can help. And, uh, and so we did. So we went in and we kicked... Mitch came with me one time, and uh, yeah, we just kicked out some demonic spirits, and uh, so it was, yeah, two different times that happened, just randomly. You get a phone call, hey, can you come and do some ghost busting? And uh, I was like, yeah, so I strapped on my backpack and uh, went in there, and uh, it was good fun. Uh, but, uh, but there are other times, so uh, one time I used to um, do a lot of kind of local mission stuff with, a, with another guy who worked in Quinata um, with... He was part of a program that worked with intergenerational unemployed kind of families. So people there where there'd been unemployment for multiple generations in their family. And, uh, and he, was, he was a Christian, uh, you know, believed in miracles, all that sort of stuff, but he was working for a secular organization. So he would oftentimes then, if he came across someone, so we, we came across demon-possessed people, and, uh, and then he would be like, he'd have an opportunity to pray for them, and then they'd start like manifesting demons so then he would call me up and then we'd go and deal with that because it was kind of like then it's like oh the local church pastor will get would get the blame um if uh, you know if this person complained about getting healed um but uh yeah so we'd in the back room of our house I called it the delivery room um because yeah we well our, our one of our children was born there but then we also kicked a lot of demons out of people there too so it was like babies delivered People delivered from demons, yep. Um, so, all that happened there. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just ranting. And, uh, not ranting, rambling. That's the one. Thanks, Lindley. Um, so anyway, so there was this one time he calls me up. He's like, hey, there's this client. She's got like incredible, she's just called me up. She's in, in excruciating back pain. And uh, so he came, picked me up and we drove over there. And, uh, and we were both thinking at the time, like he's thinking, I, I can't be the one to bring up prayer, but hopefully Brad you know, brings up prayer. So we're sitting and we're talking to her and she was like buckled over on her couch and she could hardly talk. She was in that much pain. So she's just, uh, you know, like explaining to us kind of what's happened with her back. And uh, so I, I said to her, I said, have you, have, you, have you tried prayer? And she's like, oh, you know, no. And so I was like, can we, can we pray for you? And she's like, sure. So uh, we just laid hands on her and we prayed and we just declared healing over her back. And literally within a minute, she'd felt some of the pain lift. She's like, I'm actually feeling a bit better. She could kind of talk properly. So I said, okay, let's pray again. We prayed again. Literally within a, within a minute of prayer, she was completely set free from the pain. She was standing up, moving around. She's like, I'm going to go out on my front lawn and do cartwheels. And, but just went from like excruciating pain to nothing within a couple of minutes. I had another lady one time who I'd met. Um, we'd, we were giving out food parcels. It was around Christmas time. And she told a story of a son. Like just, he really wanted a pair of headphones. She couldn't afford that. And so I managed to, to find her and her son. They're at the Salvation Army. And, uh, and I bought a pair of headphones for her son. So I gave it to her, and she gets out of the chair, and she's kind of hobbling over with a, with a um, sore hip. And I was like, oh, what's wrong with your hip? And she said, I'm just in a lot of pain. And so I said, can I, can I pray for you? And really, you know, that step between acknowledging that person's in pain and just saying the words, can I pray for you, can, can sometimes be the most petrifying part of the whole process. 
once there's permission and you're praying, it's kind of easier and, and really the outcome of whatever happens is my heart is always, and I think it's God's heart, is that I, my job is to express love. I'm praying for you, not because I want to see a miracle, but because I love you. And I want to, to reveal and share the love, the heart of God for you in praying. Whatever the outcome is, we're hoping and expecting a miracle and healing, but my intention is love, okay? So I pray for this lady and instantly the pain goes. And she's literally like, she's standing there and she's like doing this, like trying to find the pain, you know, and because it's always good to get someone to test out. Again, completely healed, restored. And, uh, but I, I never saw this lady again. I don't know what happened. Uh, and again, not, there's not always an opportunity then where we even get to share the gospel with them. We get to tell them about Jesus. I mean, I'm praying in Jesus' name. They know I'm a Christian, um, but it doesn't necessarily always translate immediately into someone gives their life to Jesus. I think it's always great if there's an opportunity for that. Uh, but again, lots of people that I've seen set free from demons that have been that I've seen miraculously healed haven't necessarily gone on to choose to follow Jesus. And that was exactly the same with Jesus. He prayed for countless people, countless miracles happened, and yet there he is, at the end with a handful of people that have actually chosen to follow him, okay? So that is also the reality that we want to see if we're like miracles are really low in our lives. Um, I, I, yeah, I think for me, it's like miracles should be so big and so abundant. And then out of that would be maybe a smaller group of people who want to follow Jesus, okay? Um, what we don't want is a large group of people that want to follow Jesus and have never actually experienced the miraculous, the power of God, the reality of God. Um, so anyway, uh, that's a couple of stories from my life. I'm sure many of you have got some. Uh, John 14, verse 8. It's, Philip says to, to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. So he's saying, believe the words that I'm speaking to you. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So even if you're not believing the words, believe in what I've demonstrated of the reality of the Father to you. Then he goes on, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Do you believe in Jesus? Put your hand up. Do you believe in Jesus? Okay, guess what? You'll also do the works that Jesus did. You're like, okay, that's good. And then he ups it. He says, and greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. Now, if I look at Jesus' life, I think he did some phenomenally great things. His expectation is that I would do greater things. Jesus' expectation that you would do greater things than what he did when it comes to the miraculous and the works of the Father. And it's okay for people to see the miraculous realm and for that to invite them. I think we, we, we can get stuck in this place where we want people to agree with their mind and understand all of the little kind of theological nuances that are really, really important. But for Jesus, people experience the reality of heaven. 
Even the Apostle Paul, he speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and he talks about, you know, I desire to know nothing amongst you. He's talking to the Corinthian church. I desire to know nothing amongst you except Christ and Him crucified. I didn't come with these eloquent words of wisdom in my preaching, but I came with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he goes on to talk about, and particularly in chapter three, he talks about the carnally minded. And I think for, for maybe for some of the church, we've got stuck in this carnally minded Christianity. And then we've tried to present this carnally minded, this fleshly minded, this intellectually consumed Christianity to an intellectually consumed world. But if I look at the life of Jesus, if I look at the life of Paul, I'd say they were smart people. I mean, you think Jesus is the smartest of all people, and yet he didn't rely upon wowing people with his intellectualism. Even oftentimes when he preached, he preached in parables, kind of like riddles that would confuse people, that had to dig in deeper. Paul comes, he's like, I could, I could wow you with all the things that I know, but I'm not going to. I'm deliberately going to display the reality of God. That your wisdom, that, you're, sorry, that you would not rest in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I wonder for us if, we are, if we're wanting to take the good news of Jesus and his kingdom to the world, are we leaning too much upon knowing all of the different things that I need to know? Now, is it good to know that stuff? Absolutely, because people will ask those questions. But if we're not also pairing it with the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you, then something is greatly lacking. And people can come to a mental agreement with something, but they've never necessarily actually encountered the reality of God. And I think that's the, the, the heart of the Father is that people would encounter Him and the reality of Him. Amen. It's way too quiet in here. All right. So again, maybe the question would be, why don't we see miracles today? Well, I think, as I said before, to see miracles, we have to expect miracles. To see miracles, we have to pray for miracles. Well, how am I not seeing miracles in your life? Well, how many, how many people are you praying for? How much time are you actually spending leaning into with an, having an expectation that God would heal and will heal and then actually praying that out? To see miracles, we have to know and walk in the authority that Jesus has given to us. So again, this is something where oftentimes we'll, we'll ask God to do something that he's told us to do. Jesus didn't say, ask me to heal the sick. He said, go and heal the sick. When he talks to his disciples, he says, go and do it. The authority has been given to you to do these things. You have authority over sickness. So you as a Christian, if you are under the authority of Christ, then you are, then you are over everything that Jesus is over. I mean, we, we sang about this morning, you know, we're being seated in the heavenly places. But that's where we're seated with Christ. We're seated in a ruling and reigning position, which means everything that is under the authority of Christ is under us because we are under the authority of Jesus. So sickness is under your authority. So it means you can tell it what demons are under your authority. Not because you're out on your own doing your own thing or because you know some things, it's because you're under the authority of Jesus. Luke chapter nine, this is when Jesus first sends out the 12 apostles and he called them together and he gave them power and authority 
over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So this Jesus demonstrates to his disciples, his apostles, and then he takes them, he says, now it's your turn. And he gives them authority, power and authority. So we need the two things, power and authority. Then next chapter, Luke 10. So they, they go out, they come back again, and then he sends out 72. And he says, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him. Two by two into every town and place where he was, himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Whenever you enter a town, this is verse 8, and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So don't say, ask me, pray about it. You know, wonder, oh, if it's your will, God, to do this. That's sometimes how we pray. Oh God, if it's your will, and clearly Jesus is saying, it's, it's my will. You don't need to ask me. You don't need to question, is it my will to heal? Is it my will to restore? For me, I think the Bible says it's always God's will to do that. Okay? It's always his will to, to bring the reality of heaven to earth. It's contained in the words of Jesus. We've got it written down here before us so we can know it's always his desire, it's his will to do that. But we then have to take and understand, well, I'm under the authority of Jesus. I'm filled with all the fullness of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit. All power and authority is in me by the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus even said to his disciples, uh, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you in power. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What's the point of the Holy Spirit coming upon believers? So we can have nice gooey feelings. Well, clearly Jesus says the, the point is that you would be witnesses. The point is that you would go, you would go from here and you'd go out there and you would actually reveal the reality of my kingdom to the world. Do we get to enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Do we get to enjoy fellowship with God? Absolutely. They are benefits of being filled with God. Okay. But is that the whole full point? I don't think so according to Jesus' words. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We know the rest. All authority has been given to Jesus. And so he says, go therefore. Because all authority has been given to me, you can now go in that authority. So when it comes to miracles and mission, miracles are designed to not make sense in the natural. Although I think as Bill Johnson talks about signs and wonders and he says they're signs that make you wonder. Miracles are signs that make you wonder and go, well, what, what is this all about? They cause you to question your reality and question whether maybe there's a greater reality. So if our main approach to sharing the gospel with others is focused around challenging people's ideas and philosophies, then it can be quite difficult. We're in an intellectual age. We're in an age where information... This was, I know, years ago, but they used to say information, the information that exists, particularly like on the internet, is doubling every couple of years. The amount of information that's contained, like it's just exponential increase on the amount of access to knowledge and understanding that we can get in our world today. 
So you come then with one intellectual argument and you might find there's multiple intellectual arguments that might refute that. And the same, I mean, in Jesus' time, there was philosophers, there was people who were pursuing that. Like that was a a high uh, cultural kind of pursuit for people was, was philosophy. But the issue is it becomes one intellectual argument against another. And the reality is there's a lot about Christianity that just doesn't make sense to the natural mind. There's a lot of stuff when you start talking about it and you go, yeah, I guess that's a, bit, that's a bit weird. Yeah, I guess that's a bit, yeah, that doesn't really kind of make sense in the natural order. Like you're, to try and win someone over intellectually with the truths of God, I, I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done. I know there's plenty of people who are very intellectual that have pursued and studied Jesus and have come to faith in God. But again, coming to faith in God is not because you've agreed with a whole lot of truth statements. It's because the power, Holy Spirit has come upon you and awakened belief. You know, so every, every salvation is a miraculous work of God. It's not a choice. Okay, I've chosen. You can choose to follow Jesus, but only because he's first chosen to draw you into that place. So miracles confront the natural order with the supernatural reality of heaven, something beyond our five senses. It can be very difficult to argue away a miracle that happens right before your eyes. It's a lot harder to argue that away. Now again, Jesus proclaimed truth, as I said before, simple truths sometimes, complicated truths in parables, but he always backed up his teaching with a demonstration. So even again, the Sermon on the Mount, He's talking to this group of people. He's declaring all of these wonderful things about the kingdom of God, how to live in the kingdom of God. He comes down the mountain. He performs miracles. The miracles backed up what he was saying. And I think for us, if we're, if we're wanting to talk to, to somebody about the reality of Jesus and we're not prepared to show someone the reality of Jesus, then there's something lacking. We're saying there's this reality that you can't access, that you can't experience. You've just got to, I guess, hope, have faith, that it does exist. You can't see it and you can't really experience it, uh, but it's there. Or we say, there's this reality of the kingdom of God. There's this reality of this person, Jesus. His Holy Spirit is available to come and live inside of you. Would you like to experience the reality of God? And for me, the more intellectual a person is that I'm engaging with, the more I'm, I lean into the miraculous. I can answer questions about things. You can go through a whole apologetics kind of argument about different stuff, but I want them to encounter God. I want them to have a, a, a dream. I want them to have an experience of the presence of God because that shifts things in a way that any argument will not, is not going to do. Now, again, as we talk about... Um, Discipleship, being a friend of sinners, drawing people into missional relationships. I want to say discipleship does involve close relationship. It involves a journey together with with people, kind of in a face-to-face. But I want to encourage you not to limit your evangelism to people you are friends with. So you might say, hey, these are people that I'm on a discipling journey with, but they might start as someone that you don't even know. They could be a complete stranger. So I don't want to go, okay, I'll just wait till I'm friends with someone and then I'll start talking about Jesus. Then I'll start praying for, for miraculous things. I'm saying wherever you see a need, as Jesus did, invite the kingdom of God to come into that space. If you're standing at the checkout, the person in front of you has a cast on their arm, that's the time not to say, okay, now I've got to somehow become their friend 
and, uh, and then you know, invite them over for coffee. And then once we get to know each other, then I can maybe ask them if I can pray for healing. I'm like, no, do it right there and then. Does the, does the thought of that petrify you? Be honest, come on. It's good, it's okay. Do it scared. That's all I can, that's all I can encourage you to do because you might never get over that. It might never not be petrifying. And the reality is, if you knew that every single person that you prayed for was going to get healed, you'd probably do it a lot more. And until that happens, it's going to be, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. And I can't determine the outcome. But I can, I can determine the intent of my heart, which is to love. And is my love for that person greater than my love for my own ego? It's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Do I actually, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, is that desire that I would have for my own healing and breakthrough, do I have that desire for them? And then am I willing to go out of my way to make sure they attain it? I'd go out of my way to make sure I attain something for me. Am, am I willing to go out of my way to make sure that they attain what God has for them? So finally, miracles will follow those who believe. Mark chapter 16 Verse 17 to 18, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Again, this is not a list of things you should do in your free time. Okay? It's saying, if this was to happen, you'll be protected. Okay? It's not saying, go, yeah, you know what I'm saying. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So there's three elements here. The first is, it's talking of the signs will accompany those who believe. So those who carry an expectation. I believe that God can heal, that he does heal and he will heal. So I'm therefore going to live and speak and behave in accordance with what my expectation is. If my expectation is God can heal anybody and is desirous, then I'm going to pray for anybody that I see. And my expectation is, and I should be shocked if it doesn't happen, not shocked if it does. I want to get to that place where I'm shocked. It's like, that's really weird. I have, I have power and authority. I don't I'm not understanding why this is happening. I'm going to lean in as to why. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep expecting. So there was expectation. It says they will lay their hands on the sick. So there is proximity. Now, again, we can, we can pray for people who are far from us. And Jesus did that. He had the authority to pray for someone, you know, the centurion's son that wasn't even around, okay? But there is something of being in proximity to people. So again, you see the person in the shopping center, you've got a work colleague who's got a busted ankle. Don't, don't oh, okay, I'll pray for them tonight when I get home. Enter in proximity, lay hands on that person if they invite you to. Or you just do it sneakily, just, you know. Um, just, hey, how are you going? Be healed in Jesus' name. Um, yeah. So expectation, proximity, and the outcome is that they will recover. That should be our expectation. That's what Jesus has declared. Those who believe in me, these signs will naturally follow them. Okay? And we're talking about one sign, one miraculous thing, which is healing but there are many, many miraculous things that will follow after us. And again, oftentimes I think we go 
we, we, we go after miracles when we reach the end of our ability. But I think miracles should be much more normal for us. God's desire is that the supernatural would become natural to us. Okay? Not when we're like, okay, we've exhausted every other option. Let's now pray for a miracle. How about we, we lean into miracles being our first option? <laughs> Before we exhaust all other options, say, we're gonna go miracle first. Okay, miracles not happening, not happening. Let's, let's look at other options. Okay? Now again, we, when it comes to healing, we are, we are all for, for the medical profession. We, we're, not, we're not saying don't seek medical help and advice, all that sort of stuff. We are all for that. Psychology, counseling, everything like that. They're, they are a provision from God. Okay? There's wisdom contained in that. But we don't want to be one or the other. We're going to be miracles and wisdom. Amen. All right, so next week we're going to actually start learning practically how to pray for healing. So please make sure you're here for that. We're not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do, but there, there will be an expectation of practical application. Amen? All right. So my heart is I want to raise your expectation for the miraculous. I want to see this house, which, this household, become a house of miracles. Not this building, this group of people. You're part of the household of God, the oikos, the family of God, and that we would see all of us walking in the authority and the power of Jesus because that's our inheritance, okay? And it's actually the tool that will see his kingdom come and his will be done because his kingdom coming looks like miracles breaking out. His will being done looks like miracles breaking out. They're in agreement with each other and we need to be in agreement with that. And if we're not in agreement with that, then we're out of agreement with God's heart, with God's desire and what God's wanting to do. But we need to recognize I, I'm, the, I'm the one that's going to block God doing miracles. I can stop the flow of God on the earth or I can allow the flow of God on the earth. Amen? It was Jesus' way revealing himself and his kingdom to the world. So to follow him is to do what he did. That's what we're encouraging you to do. We have the power and the authority through the Holy Spirit. So let's start praying and expecting for miracles to be breaking out as we lay hands on the sick, as we declare supernatural provision, as we command demons to flee and the dead to be raised. But we've all also as well, I don't wanna be praying this for you. I want you to start praying this for yourself. Saying, well, God, it's clearly written in the scriptures. It's clearly your desire for me. God, yes, start awakening that. Start stirring up that desire. Start increasing my expectation, Lord. Start stripping away any ego that would get in the way of you working. I don't wanna be a blockage for the movement of God. I don't wanna be a blockage for the flow of the heart of God coming into the world. I wanna be a conduit, amen? And I want us to be a people that would be a conduit for the power of God to flow. All right, why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. I want you to start, to start praying, to start responding to God, to start responding to God, to say, yes, Lord, I desire the miraculous to break out in my life. Yes, Lord, I want to be a conduit of your presence. I want to be a conduit of your will. I want to be a conduit of your desires, Lord. I want to be a conduit of miracles, Lord. So Jesus, we thank you that we belong to a miracle working God. We belong to your miracle working household, your family. 
Thank you, Lord. We just pray. I just pray, Lord, you would just start building our expectation, Lord. I just, I just declare deposits of expectation, Lord, down payments of expectation, down payments of miracles, Lord. Lord, that we would get out of, if in any way we are in the way, God, if we are in the way in, in where we've agreed with the opposite in our minds, Lord. We just pray, would you tear down any stronghold, Lord, any thought framework that would oppose your desire and your working for the miraculous in this place, Lord. In any way where we have grieved you, Holy Spirit, we repent. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord, where we haven't heard your voice and responded. And Lord, would you overwhelm us with love, with so much love for you and for the world that we cannot stop ourselves reaching out and praying for others, declaring healing and freedom and life and provision, Lord. Let, it, let there be a compulsion within us that says, I cannot help but pray. I cannot help but reach out and declare. I cannot help but seek the best for others. And would you stir up a fire in our belly to pray and to intercede, Lord, that this house would be a house of miracles, that this family would be a family of miracle-working people because we are under the authority of a miracle-working God. And Lord, the world would come to know You, Jesus, because they would see You, they would see Your heart displayed, that would see the reality of Your Kingdom on display as miracles break out, Lord, in every home, in every neighbourhood, in every workplace, Lord, in the schools, in the universities, in this city, Father, would start to see miraculous outpourings, Lord, signs, wonders and miracles, God. And Father, I bind the spirit of witchcraft, Lord, that would oppose the power of God. I bind You in Jesus' Name. I bind You in Jesus' Name. Every thought that would oppose the ways of God, we command a tearing down now, even a sh the stronghold in this city, Father, the stronghold of provision, Lord, where there is lack, God, we declare a tearing down, Lord, of the, of the idea of lack, God. No more lack in this city, Lord. No more lack in this city, Father. We declare provision, Lord, that You would build up, Father, a stronghold of provision, Lord a stronghold of expectation of outpouring, Lord, over this church family, Lord, over this city, God, that mindsets would start to change, Lord. Mindsets would start to change in Jesus' Name. And the authority of Jesus, we command, Lord, even into the airways, Lord, the heavenly realm, God, provision, provision, provision in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hey, uh, we're going to wrap things up there. Uh, there is a question that came through. I'm going to answer it during the week and, uh, and put up a, like a little video or something like that. So if you ask the question, apologies. We're just running short on time. Um, and we want to give you plenty of time to hang out and to get to know one another. So especially if you're new or visiting, um, yeah, we'd love to, to connect with you. 
no pressure, no hassle, but just, uh, yeah. And we've got little connect cards. And again, that's just all our way of knowing how we can support you, connect with you. Um, we won't bombard you with, uh, with spam mail or anything like that. But, uh, but bless you guys. Go as a miracle working people under a miracle working God. Amen. If you'd love prayer for anything, if you need a miracle, if you just love a prophetic word, a destiny word over your life, please come forward and we'd love uh, to pray for you at the front. Amen.